Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Continuing to explore the book of 1 Corinthians. And today I've, I've been just really excited about this. That's why I'm trying to get y'all, you know, I've had time getting wheels turning this week and studying this lesson and just getting excited about the work of the Holy Spirit in this lesson. And, uh, you know, honestly, I just don't want to take off and leave y'all this morning. All right, that's why I keep getting you up trying to get you... Get your blood pumping, get your heart rate up, you know, because uh, the, the Holy Spirit is the gift of God into the church. When Jesus said I, that he was going away, when he told the disciples, he said, I'm going away that the comforter might come. And he said, you will receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And I want to tell you, in our culture today and in the church today, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, has been given a bad rap. And that's why I'm excited about this passage of Scripture that we're going to look at because it talks about the work and the power, the gift that God has given us in the Holy Spirit. Now let me clarify a couple of things before we get into the Scripture this morning. All right? When I say that the Holy Spirit is the gift of God into the church, I'm not talking about spiritual gifts. We get into that later in the book of 1 Corinthians. So things like speaking in tongues and healing and, and that sort of thing comes later as a manifestation of the Holy Spirit working. Uh, and that's a whole different message. What I'm talking about today is the very fact that Jesus said, when I invite him into my heart, when I have called upon him for salvation, that in that instant, the Spirit of God comes to dwell within me. The Comforter comes and ministers in my heart and brings conviction and revelation and all the things that, that come with the power that He has at work within us. Now when I say the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity has been given a bad rap, here's what I mean. You have groups of people on one side that view the person of the Holy Spirit as a thing or an event or something that occurs. If anybody's ever said, did you, did you get the Holy Ghost? Well, when I accepted Jesus, I got the Holy Ghost. He came to dwell within me, to live within me. Now, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit might come, and I said, that's a whole different message. But when I receive Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, the whole fullness of the Holy Ghost of God comes to dwell within my heart. All right, so there are some who have disregarded or discounted the Holy Spirit by treating Him as somebody who just kind of tags along later on after you've heard about Jesus. But, we have people on this side. Look, back in the late 70s, early 80s, there was a big charismatic movement in, in our Southern Baptist churches. And by charismatic, I mean the manifestation of those gifts and things that were going on. And here's what happened. You have people who tore this way, and they were all about the manifestation. They were all about exercising those gifts. But then you had people who tore this way and said, we don't even want to talk about the Holy Ghost no more. And in many of our, our churches, our Southern Baptist churches today, it is difficult to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. Because what we tend to do when we hear Holy Spirit, we think of the corrupted version that we see in the world. But the Bible teaches the whole truth of God, amen? And when I read 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and I read about the Spirit working in the life of the believer, then I can understand what that means, that God is working in the life of who? 
the believer, those that have called upon the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So I want you to read with me. We're going to read 1 Corinthians 2. We're going to pick up in verse 6. Stand with me if you will. I'll remind you that Paul had just told them that he came to them not with any great demonstration of his own power or own ability, but the power and the wisdom of God in the work that, that, was, that was working through him of spirit and power uh, uh, that, his faith, that their faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but would be in the wisdom of God. And he continues here in verse 6, he says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Father, we thank you that even today as you are alive within us and our faith is in you, that we receive your word and your power and your authority as you bring it forth. I thank you today that it is not dependent upon the wisdom of this man preaching or these in this congregation. It is not dependent upon our skill. It is not dependent upon our authority. It is not dependent upon our power. It is not dependent upon our ability, but wholly dependent upon the work of your Spirit today. What a blessing to stand and know that the understanding of your Word comes from the very one who lives within us. Thank you, Lord for that blessing today in Jesus' name. Amen. The Holy Spirit given unto those who believe that we have received the gift of salvation. The Bible says of salvation that it is a gift. Amen. It says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Now, now, let me stop there for just a second and, 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 and look at that. And we've looked at that before. How many of you have had to work for a living? All right? And at the end of the week, you get a paycheck. That is your wages. Amen? That is what you have earned. You might feel like you've earned more. That's a whole other story for another day. But you have received what you have earned. So when the Bible says that the wages of sin 
is death. We, have, we are, are due to receive what we have earned. Amen? You with me? But the gift of God is eternal life. Now, there's not a person in this room that if your boss came to you and said, hey, you earned $500 for working this week, but instead of giving you this $500, I want to pay the rest of your bills the rest of your life as long as you live. <laughs> Every one of you in here would go, nope, I just want to take what I earned and go home. Right? Right? Then why do we do that with salvation? Why do we fight what God has said and we sit in a pew oftentimes, so I know I did for a long time, hearing about that great gift of God, hearing that God has already prepared that gift and offered and given it to us and set it before us, and we say, no, I just want to take what I earned and go home. Why would we not exchange something we can't keep for something we can't lose? So the Bible says here that those who have accepted that gift of salvation have received in them the Holy Spirit. All right, who searches and knows all things, all right, that, that we might know these things. So a couple of things in this passage of Scripture I hope you specifically see this morning. In verse 10 it says, but God has revealed them, talking about these mysteries. He said, there are things that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and not entered the heart of man that God has prepared for them. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. So the first thing we see here is that the Spirit of God reveals. If I am a child of God, if I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, if the whole fullness of the Spirit of God has come to dwell within my heart, immediately I have received the one who can reveal the mysteries of God. This is why it troubles me that so many in the church would say, I just don't understand the Bible. Now listen, there are things in the Bible I don't understand. But I understand the Bible. Does that make sense? Alright, there are things in the Bible that I struggle with and I have to pray diligently about and I have to go back to over and over again as the Spirit brings revelation, but I understand that this is truth. And that I can build my life on this word and it will not fall away. I can understand that this is the wholeness of God given to us that we might understand these great mysteries that he's talking about. Understand what he's saying. He's, he's saying he uses the word mystery here. He says that the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the things that we have not seen or, or heard about or, or understood, but God has revealed them to us, revealing these deep Things, searching these deep things. The Spirit reveals mystery. Now that's an interesting word there, mystery. When you read a mystery novel, it means that you don't know how it's going to turn out, right? It's kind of a secret. Sometimes there's a twist or a turn, something like that, unless you've got one of those good friends that comes along and says, hey, I read that, but the butler did it, you know? I mean... The, you know, you got friends like that? All right. Well, what is he talking about here? He's talking about those mysteries that are revealed. 27 times in the New Testament, the word mystery appears. And it's not mystery in the sense that we think of the word mystery, but it is mystery in the sense of secret. Things that have yet to be uncovered, things that have yet to be revealed. But in the New Testament, every time the word mystery is used, except for two times in the book of Revelation... It has to do with exposing what was once a mystery. 
Think about that for a second. The, the Holy Spirit of God, who wrote the Bible, by the way, I'll get to that in a few minutes. All right? The Holy Spirit of God chooses to use this word mystery, and the only time he doesn't tell us that it's a mystery that's been revealed is in the two mysteries that haven't been revealed yet in the book of Revelation. Every time it is used, we read it in the context of this used to be a secret, but now God lets us in on it. How many of you like getting in on a secret? Be honest. You like to know, and some of you like to tell, but that's a whole other story. That's a, that's a message for another day. But, but understand what this passage of Scripture is saying. He's saying that, that the Holy Spirit reveals these unknown things to us. I'll give you an example, Ephesians chapter 3. Paul writes, to me, who am less than the least of all saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. Simply what he's saying there is this used to be a secret. There were things happening. The Old Testament saints, if you look at the book of Hebrews, they knew they were looking forward to something, but they didn't know what it was they were looking forward to. When Jesus came and died on the cross of Calvary, he laid down his life, he shed his blood that we might be saved, and he went and ascended into heaven that the Holy Spirit might come to dwell within us, that the Holy Spirit has come that might reveal the mystery of what the Old Testament saints didn't know and we can get hold of. That is what he's saying. You used to didn't know it, but now you know it. It used to be a secret, but now God has revealed it. That, that just lights my fire. I don't know about you. I don't like being in the dark. I like knowing what's going on. Now, there are a lot of times in life I don't know what's going on, but that's a whole other story also. But I like knowing what's going on. And God has chosen through the gift of his spirit dwelling within us that we might understand that this impartation, that as he has given us this gift, that as he comes to dwell within us, that we can understand the mysteries of God's word better. Why do we understand the mysteries of God's word better? Because we know the author. If you're an avid reader... A lot of times you probably read interviews with authors about the books you read. Anybody do that? Okay, both of you do that. All right. I, I, I like to know. I like to know what people are thinking. I, I like to know. And, and if I read something I don't understand, I like to think, where did that come from? I, I like to do that with songs. There are a lot of songs that I like. And I'll, I'll, I'll read about the, the writer of that song and what the story is behind that song. Any of you ever do that? You know what I'm talking about? Because I know the author of this book. See, the Bible's a, a miracle in itself. The Bible itself is a wonder. 66 books written over the course of 1,500 years through the hands of about 40 different men from shepherds and fishermen to kings, men of authority and men of poverty, people who had plenty and people who had nothing. And over the course of that 1,500 years, on three different continents, these words were written through the power of the Holy Spirit that they might come together and tell one story. One continuing story of the coming power and salvation through Jesus Christ. That's a miracle. If you took 40 of us from this room this morning who all live in the same community and see the same things every day and told us to write about an experience that we've had 
our stories would probably contradict. There'd be discrepancies in that story, but over 1,500 years through the hands of 40 men uh, 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 across three continents, the Lord has put together this word of God that it might all ring true. How does that happen? Because there is one author. The Holy Spirit of God taking men in His hand as we would take a pen and writing down the truth that He would like us to know. And when I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, the author of the Holy Word of God has come to dwell within my heart. And if there's something I don't understand and something I don't get, He is right there. And look, if I don't get it, it's no... It's no strike against the Holy Spirit. It's usually due to my own thickness or my own slowness or my own indifference. But if I truly seek the Word of God, He will reveal all that I need to know. If you, if you are an avid reader of the Word of God, if you study the Bible, you know what I'm talking about. But there are passages that you will read and you, will know, you may even know by heart and you may come back to time and time again. And then one day, the spirit of revelation opens your eyes and you understand a mystery that was there before and then the light comes on. Do you know what I'm talking about? Testify. Amen. We know what, because we know the author. We know the one who wrote the book. The Spirit reveals mystery and He reveals relationship. Look at verse 11 and 12 in our text there. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man that is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Real quick here, look. He reveals not only these mysteries, but He reveals the relationship that we have with God. The very presence of God in our lives. And this goes back to what I was saying before. The Holy Spirit of God is not an apparition. He's not an event. He, he, he's, he's not some kind of sideshow act. He's not Benny Hinn up on a stage thumping somebody in the head so they can fall out on the carpet. The Holy Spirit of God is the third person of the Trinity dwelling in the heart of the believer that we might understand that no matter what we go through, no matter what we face, no matter what trials we have, no matter what circumstances we're under, that God walks with us. He is the person of God in the heart of the believer. He's the enlightener, if that's the word, of our condition. See, the Bible says if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. Christ that, I, that saved me comes to live within me in the person of the Holy Spirit. And then the work of redemption begins. See, I am saved. I have salvation. But God's working on my redemption. There are things in my life every day that, that over and over again I have to say, Lord, I still haven't gave you that, have I? I know you don't know what I'm talking about, right? Every day. Every day. What, is it, what does that say? Right here in this passage of Scripture, what is the work of the Holy Spirit? What is He doing? That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. That we can take inventory of our lives and understand that the very presence of God wants to point out all those blessings 
Why do you think the Bible admonishes us against covetousness? Covetousness. That when we look at other people's things, when we're looking out at other people's things, we, we cease to look in at what God has done in our hearts. We cease to look up at what God wants to do for us today. We cease to look out at what it is that the Lord would have us do in, the work, in the, His work of service. He is the enlightener of our condition. The Holy Spirit reveals. But He also guides instruction. Verse 13 says, this, These things we also speak not in words... With, um, excuse me, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things to spiritual. What does that mean? Look, real quick, it's all right there in verse 13. The Spirit guides the instruction of His Word. The Spirit guides the instruction of His Word. That is why it is dangerous for somebody to pull out, we talked about it being a gift to be a part of the church. How it's a gift for, for God to bring us together into one unit. How it is a gift for God to make us of one fellowship. We talked about that. We talked about the gift of the message that God has given us. That we might all be on the same page and sharing the gospel with the gift of the Spirit. Reveals to us that He is the one who instructs. He is the one who teaches. He is the one who opens up the Word of God that we might understand it. That's why it's dangerous for somebody to pull out and say, I'm not going to be a part of the church anymore. Because then they can take this word of God. And I want to tell you, how many of you know a sword is dangerous? If I was to pick me up a samurai sword today, my wife would have a heart attack because she knew I'd be going to cut something important off. All right? Because I don't know how to handle a sword of that kind. All right? Somebody who does not know how to handle this sword can be dangerous. And somebody who has been instructed wrongly on how to handle this sword can be dangerous. Prime example I always like to use is taking things out of context. So many people will take a little nugget of scripture and they'll say, oh, I'm going to build a doctrine on that. These two verses right here, my whole faith is going to dwell on those two verses, but the Bible itself says that we are to take the whole counsel of God. Amen? Here's the danger in doing that. There's a passage in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel, and I could build my entire life around this passage of scripture. Eat, drink, and be merry. Don't that sound good? Wouldn't you like to build your family? That's, that's my party right there. That's my jam. I'm, I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. Build my life on that. Here's a problem with that. Do you know who said that? A pagan king in the book of Daniel. A man named Belshazzar had gone into the temple and stolen the items out of the temple, the the. the, the uh, uh, goblets and the, the dishes and all those things and he brought them into his home that he, he might have a great feast and proclaim himself to be God and he told all his friends eat, drink and be merry now do I want to build my life around that man's quote I don't think so because you know what happened to him the spirit of God sent a disembodied hand to write on the wall his destruction and that man died So, back to the point. The Holy Spirit leads the instruction of the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will tell you, hey, you know what, that's not right. Don't take that out of context. This is what this means. That's a great thing about studying this book that we're going to go through. There's some things in this book in 1 Corinthians that people take out of context. I could take a little verse of Scripture over in 1 Corinthians and tell every woman in this church to shut up. 
Hmm? Out of context. I'm not nearly that brave, guys, all right? I, I noticed none of y'all said amen. That's a... Uh, because it's out of context. It's wrong to take the scripture out of context. It's wrong to use it in a way that it was not intended to be used. I, I love doing premarital counseling. I, and, and I was talking to a couple this week. And I love looking at 1 Corinthians 13 there. Where it talks about love is patient. Love is kind. Keeps no record of wrongs. That, that sort of thing. But I also like looking at Ephesians 5. See, because there's a whole bunch of guys. I used to get in discussions with these guys. And, I won't tell you what denomination they were from, but I'll tell you that when I was at Pizza Hut, they used to come in every Sunday night after church. And, and the women, bless their heart, all wearing like these potato sacks and, and can't wear no makeup and, you know, and all this stuff, you know what I'm talking about. And the guys, they got like three pounds of moose in their hair and they got on $500 suits. And you, you ever seen that? Uh-huh. And they, take the, and they take that passage of scripture out of Ephesians 5 and they say that husband... Wives are to submit to their husbands. Yes, they are. They are. Look, I, I promise you, study Ephesians 4. I'm getting in all kinds of trouble. Pino, help me out. Study Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 says that wives are to submit to their husbands. But it says wives are to submit to their husbands as the church submits to Christ and that the husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Uh-oh. Here's the problem. If you have submission on one side and no love on the other side, you have abuse. And if you have sacrificial love on one side and no submission on the other side, you have abuse. You better take the whole thing. Amen? Well, I'm glad I dug out of that. I started getting my balls up in here. That's, huh? The Holy Spirit leads instruction. And as he leads instruction of his word, he assures us of the truth of that word and we can have the boldness to stand on that word that we might be able to follow his direction for what reason? Look back at this passage of scripture uh, again there in verse 13. For what is the reason? These things we also speak, not in words which, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things to spiritual. This is for the glory of God that we might understand it is to him that we are to answer to. Amen? That we need to take the word of God, allow the spirit to guide that instruction that we might understand. Real quick, a couple more things real quick here, verse 14. The spirit is rejected by the carnal, those that are, are, are led by the flesh. Verse 14, it says, The natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Here's the thing, if you are led by the flesh, you cannot understand the spirit. But here's the thing, if you have Christ, if you have accepted Christ and the Holy Spirit is living within you, you can change, it's just sometimes that you won't change. A lot of what we don't understand about God is because of a need for salvation. Why is the church illiterate as far as the Bible is today? Why is there biblical illiteracy in the church of God today? I believe it's because there's a rampant need of salvation. Now, I told you, I sat for a couple of years in church, lost as could be. And I believe a lot of times people don't understand the Bible because they're lost. Is that way oversimplifying? 
We, we, we don't understand because we don't want to understand. He says there that the, the, the man that is led by the flesh, the natural man, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God because they're foolishness to him. It doesn't make sense to surrender his life to the Lord, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. We cannot experience the fullness of God until we are emptied of ourselves. The Spirit is rejected by the carnal, but we have a spiritual responsibility. And I want you to look at this last two verses real quick. 15 and 16. But he who is, he, he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is our spiritual responsibility. Number one, to be accountable to the Spirit. Either I am led by the flesh, verse 14 there, or I'm led by the Spirit, verse 15. I cannot be led by both. And if I am led by the Spirit, then I'm in tune with the things of God and I'm accountable to Him. And I want to tell you, I've got to talk about this word. You know, I like words. This word spiritual here is from the Greek word pneumatic. Any of you ever heard that word before? Uh, some of you guys, girls, don't know what I'm talking about. It, it is air pressure. All right. One of the greatest things that I liked about working, I used to work in Walmart uh, automotives, and one of the fun things about working there is I got to use air tools. All right, kids, what was I telling you to listen for? There was a big old tank of air in there, and that thing had just thousands of pounds of air pressure. And you get that little silver chrome-plated gun, and you pop it on that air hose, and you all kinds of power in the palm of my hand, right? I'm like Tim Allen. You remember Tim Allen? You know, all that power. The spiritual man is that way. That word pneumatic is exactly what that means. It is full of the Spirit, full of power, not full of hot air, all right? It's a whole different message. But full of power, that we have access to the things of the Spirit of God. He has revealed His mysteries. He has instructed us in His Word. He has led us against the temptations of the flesh. And then He says, I have given you this responsibility to be my man, to be my woman, to be my child in the world, that the world might see my power working through you. And I think about that, that. The Spirit of God, like that big old air tank. And I'm just like that little... I'm like that little air gun in his hand, you know, just waiting for God to pull the trigger. You've got that within you. You've got that within you. Judging rightly, real quick, the discernment that we are to have. Here's what, as a responsibility to the Spirit, this is what I'm uh, inclined to do, what I'm obligated to do. And we see it in this passage of Scripture. Judging all things, yet not rightly being judged by anyone, but knowing the mind of Christ. So what does that tell me? That I am to investigate the things around me. I'm to investigate the Word of God. I'm to investigate my culture. I'm to investigate my life. I'm to examine those things and I'm determined to determine what the value of those things are. You today have been blessed beyond measure. If you began to set and count your blessings, there's no end to what you could list as a blessing of God upon your life. But the greatest blessing you have is that the Holy Spirit is available to you. 
to look at your life and to say, what is it that is of value in my life? To take inventory and to say, I am responsible before God to be led not by the flesh, but by the Spirit. And as you surrender your heart to the Spirit of God, He will lead you in the way that you should go.